0: Welcome to Full Rigger, Florida True Crime Podcast. Oh, I'm full. Me too. Lots of turkey. I'm sick of stuffing in turkey.
1: I can't really. I could eat Thanksgiving almost every day.
0: So do you like the cranberries in the can that come out, the shape of the can, or do you like the, the fruit kind?
1: I think I like the fruit kind. I've never been a the big jelly. cranberryer. I'm
0: not a cranberryer. <laughs> so you had an idea for our Monday after Thanksgiving on what to cover on Full Rigger, not a serial killer, not a brutal murder, not something horrific. What did you want to talk about? Yeah,
1: well, it is horrific in some instances all the wars, but in honor of Thanksgiving, I wanted to talk about the Seminole Indians.
0: Yes, the Seminole Indians of Florida are America's only unconquered tribe. Their group is a mix of indigenous and northern tribes, along with African Americans, who escaped slavery to the south. The Seminole Indians of Florida, over the course of almost two centuries, endured three wars with the U.S. government, resisted numerous efforts to relocate them to federal reservations in the West, and ultimately made their home in one of the world's most inhospitable environments, the Florida Everglades, where they have survived and thrived, and Florida State. Yeah, baby. ...has made them their symbol. Well, long before European explorers ever visited the area known as Florida, Native peoples have been living here for thousands of years. And then as many as 100,000 members of four Indian nations, the Apalachee, the Tequesta, which we have the town of Tequesta here, the Timucua, and the Calusa, were living in highly organized settlements throughout the peninsula when the Spanish first arrived in 1513. They didn't have the resistance to, you know, smallpox, yellow fever, and other European diseases. Or even the remedies, right? Exactly. And it just wiped them out. And these things are popping up in L.A. again, these diseases. Leprosy showing up. they got the bubonic plague. All this crap is showing up again.
1: All that non-vaccination stuff.
0: Yeah. So... When the the white man started showing up and Thanksgiving really got started, oh, yes. when when the Indians, the white man shows up on Plymouth at Plymouth Rock and the Indians are eating food and everything. And the white man's been like uh, on the ocean for months. And they're like, we're hungry. Can <laughs> can we share?
1: Yes. The first Thanksgiving was in Massachusetts in 1621. And I think it was an attempt at peace. But really, the Native Americans brought the corn and the
0: turkey and were doing all the work. <laughs> And they gave him, they gave him a couple beads, and they sold the island of Manhattan. The Indians did too, the white man for a couple of beads. So well, there
1: was a long-standing wars in different areas between, you know, the white man and the Native Americans, and to this day, the Seminoles are the only unconquered group.
0: That's right. They are. They are the only unconquered. They've never signed a peace treaty. Never surrendered. Never surrendered with the government or anybody. Any other tribes, nobody. Unfortunately, the. FSU Seminoles, <laughs> they're, they're four and four this year. But we'll get to that. But I want to say, if I say the word Indian and not Native American, please don't be offended. Same, guys. These Native peoples, they lacked the resistance to these diseases, as well as there were later slaving raids from the English colonies of Georgia and South Carolina. Eventually, it decimated their numbers. And by the 18th century, the Indian nations of Florida ceased to exist. Really? They were wiped out. Well, the plague basically cut their population in half. So in their pl- you're right, and in their place, groups of Indians from a confederation of tribes collectively referred to as the Lower Creeks began moving into Florida from Alabama and Georgia. They were pushed out of their former homes by the encroachment of white settlers as well as by conflicts with other tribes. And so it was around this time that the name Seminoles first appeared. So in 1814, it became the first of three Seminole Wars over the next four years. General Andrew Jackson crushed the uprising and he entered Spanish Florida numerous times. He burned Seminole villages and killed resistance leaders.
1: Jackson had a lengthy career as a general, and then he became president. Yeah, you're right.
0: But he didn't conquer the Seminoles. So at the end of the First Seminole War in 1818, many Indians moved further into Florida, and by 1820, the year before Spanish Florida became U.S. territory, there were at least 5,000 Seminole Creeks and Miccosukee living here. However, a series of federal treaties failed to protect their rights, and in 1835, war broke out again. Well, it was an uphill battle for them. Yes, it was a really tough time. So then you had the Second Seminole War, proved to be the longest and most costly. And the so-called Black Seminoles had a reputation as fierce fighters and were equally determined to preserve their freedom as they did. The fighting ended in a stalemate in 1842, and an uneasy peace lasted for 14 years. In 1856, the Seminole leader, Billy Bowlegs, and that's where we get... This Billy Everglades. Yeah, Everglades adventure, Billy Bowlegs, he could ride an alligator all day, and his followers <laughs> were provoked by U.S. soldiers. They retaliated, and the ensuing series of skirmishes became known as the Third Seminole War. And when the U.S. troops once more withdrew, there was no treaty or victory. Seminole Wars ended finally, and almost 3,000 Seminoles were forcibly removed from Florida to the Western Territories and their reservations in Arkansas and Oklahoma, as few as 300 remained in Florida, and they took refuge in the dense swamps of the Everglades. However, their place in history was assured as the only American Indian tribe never to have signed a peace treaty with the U.S. government.
1: Wow, and they're doing pretty well now, aren't they?
0: Very, very well. They've got you've got the Miccosukee Gaming in Miami Dade. You've got Hard Rock the stadium and also you've got Hard Rock uh, hotels hotels and casinos the Seminole Casino and Coconut Creek I like yes so From the 1920s onward, the development boomed in South Florida, and the Seminoles lost more and more of their land and their hunting lands to tourists and settlers. They became agricultural workers. They worked in the vegetable and sugarcane fields in South Florida. They ran tourist attractions. They wear colorful patchwork clothing. They produce souvenirs, and they wrestle alligators. And I actually went with my daughter on a school field trip out to Billy's Swamp Adventure, And they have a museum there. It's really interesting to learn their history and to see all of the things that they've saved throughout time.
1: I've been on an airboat ride. I don't know if it was at Billy's, but... It's fun. I've definitely had...
0: Experienced and it. you've seen the gators, right?
1: Yeah. They are not like dogs, guys. Don't mm. listen to the tour guides. No.
0: <laughs> but their eyes glow when they came up at night. <laughs> you can see them with a flashlight. So in August of 1957, the Seminole Tribe of Florida was established through a majority vote of the Florida Seminole Indians. And this vote gave the Seminoles federal recognition as a self-governing tribe with a constitutional form of government. And the Seminole Tribe of Florida now has over 3,000 members. And they live on five reservations across the Florida Peninsula, again, in Hollywood, Hollywood, Big Cypress, Brighton, Immokalee, and Tampa. And so they have their own police forces, their own government, everything – you had done a story yes. recently.
1: I wrote about a case where a child or a newborn baby was taken off the reservation that, from one of their hospitals by the mother who was a member of
0: the tribe The tribe, but and the father the, was white Yeah,
1: and they went after them in court saying, you stole this baby, you need to give her back and ultimately in the case, the court ruled with the mother because
0: she said she took the baby. And she is part of the tribe. Yeah. So she should be able to leave the reservation. But it
1: was a big case and it was very controversial and it did go to court.
0: So the Seminoles work hard to be economically independent. Tourism and gaming profits pay for their infrastructure and schools on the reservations, while citrus groves, cattle, aircraft production, tobacco sales, land leases, and aquaculture are their significant sources of revenue other than the federal government that pays them each a lot of money a month. A lot of entrepreneurship going on. So having persevered through two centuries of adversity, the Seminole Indians of Florida have earned the right to call themselves the unconquered people.
1: That's an incredible story, honestly. Yeah, and
0: their indomitable spirit is one that Florida State University proudly seeks to emulate in all its endeavors. And Florida State football so far this year has not been so unbeaten. The knolls are four and four, so they're not so undefeated, but the history of the school adopting the Seminole tribe as their symbol is kind of interesting. You went to Nova Southeastern. Yes. What was your symbol? We're the sharks. (laughs) Well, I went to the University of Hawaii, and we're the Rainbow Wahines and the Rainbow Warriors. Not Stitch from Lilo and Stitch? (laughs) No. (laughs) So Florida State would play two games in 1947 before students demanded the school acquire a symbol. And there were... Some details they were conflicting, but the Florida Flambeau—I guess that was their newspaper back then—reported the Seminoles won by 110 votes over. Get this, the Statesman.
1: Oh my gosh, I could see them in suits coming out on the
0: football <laughs> field in a suit with a tie. Oh, that's funny. The rest of the top contenders in order: the Rebels, the Tarpons, the Fighting Warriors, or the Crackers. The
1: Crackers. <laughs> Their song could be Follow Me by Uncle Cracker.
0: Ah! Uh, In the 1950s, a pair of students dressed in Native American costumes and joined the cheerleaders on the field... (laughs) Which eventually evolved into the majestic symbol of Chief Osceola and Renegade that FSU now enjoys. I love when Osceola, representing the historical Seminole leader Osceola and his Appaloosa horse Renegade, introduce the home football games by riding the midfield with a burning spear and planting it in the turf
1: are you Elizabeth Warren
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my gosh so now we have to talk about the dolphins oh boy here we go well because rationality and probability failed to adequately resolve all the dolphins could be so spectacularly bad and suck so bad for so long my theory is that it's the curse of Sun Life Stadium, formerly Landshark Stadium, formerly Dolphin Stadium, formerly Pro Player Stadium, formerly Joe Robbie Stadium, whom I interviewed when they broke ground there. (laughs) Formerly there, the Tequesta tribe buried their dead until the Dolphins dug them up in 1985. Oh, shit. You know what happens when you build a stadium or anything on a burial ground? Like the movie Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford? He was a mountain man that lived off bears and the wild snowy covered mountain and he finally hooked up with an Indian uh, a Native American girl the hit like the chief gave her to him he had to take her so then they started getting along even though there was this major language barrier and they had a son and they built this gorgeous log cabin it was beautiful they had a beautiful life and then another white man comes and says you need to help us we we have a str- bunch of stranded people in the mountains and we have to get through this pass to save their lives and Robert Redford knew the way So he goes, okay, and he leaves his wife and kid and he takes them, and in order to rush through, they have to go through a native burial ground, the-
1: The Crow Burial Ground. Yes,
0: there's the Blackfoot, and then there was a crow, and the crows were really mean, apparently. And Mm. so Robert Redford's like, no, we can't do it. And they're like, we have to, we have to save these people. So they ride through there, and then on the way back, I mean, there's this really weird feeling that Robert Redford gets in in riding through the burial ground because it's really ominous. And so once he gets them there and he rides back, he gets home, and his wife and son have been murdered, bloody murdered, and that, and his beautiful log cabin is on fire. The crows were pissed.
1: Oh, man.
0: So I suppose you've never seen this movie, just like you don't even know who Dan Marino is.
1: I know who Dan Marino is. I went to school with his kids. Oh. <laughs> Elementary school, nonetheless, but.
0: But what about hmm. the movie Jeremiah Johnson?
1: Well, it's not the Pocahontas I remember. <laughs>
0: But you weren't even born yet when they built Joe Robbie Stadium on the Indian burial ground in 1985.
1: No, I was born in 1995.
0: Shut up. (laughs) So, Joe Robbie Stadium, now known as Hard Rock Stadium was built right on top of the Tequesta burial ground. The Tequesta inhabited the shores of Biscayne Bay and much of Broward County for thousands of years until the Spanish arrived in the 16th century. In fact, they were trying to build a condo on Biscayne Bay and they came up with some artifacts there and they had to stop building. Wait, the
1: Indians are trying to build a condo? No.
0: (laughs) No, in the 20th century, developers were trying to build a condo and they discovered the bones. Just like they had discovered the bones when they tried to build Joe Robbie Stadium. And we haven't gone to the Super Bowl since, right? You you are Absolutely right. According to some archaeologists, the spot had been the burial ground for the Tequesta around 800 AD and for the Seminole tribe some 1,000 years later. And the dolphins sought to receive permission to carefully dig up the burial ground as long as archaeologists were on hand to examine the soil that they turned up. This sounds like a very bad idea. And the dolphins eventually excavated the burial grounds in six-inch increments that's that's almost how much they make in forward play on the offense (laughs) it's a game of inches oh my god and they allowed experts to sift through the dirt slowly once the area was cleared of artifacts and ancient remains by dade county archaeologists the dolphins were free to continue building the field that their offense would forever explore in six inch increments (laughs) so as you said since then the dolphins have not even been back to the super bowl but now the Seminoles have bought the naming rights for the stadium. Could the curse be over?
1: I hope so. I mean we need a miracle at this point.
0: Yeah, they put their name back on the sacred burial ground, so they're kind of back in control of it. We'll just have to see what
1: happens this next season.
0: Yeah. Go fins. But do you have you ever seen the movie Poltergeist?
1: I think so, isn't it? With the girl with the hands on the TV and she's saying oh,
0: Indeed, it's a Spielberg movie. Very Oof. scary. And they built the subdivision on a burial ground. I mean, the shit is really scary. They turn to a parapsychologist and eventually an exorcist for help. I think she's one of the munchkins from The Wizard of Oz. The little person, Mm -hmm. little people. But anyway, uh, Spooky Legends have long haunted the 1982 horror classic in a creepy backstory that periodically appears about human skeletons being used as props in one of the film's original sequences. And I think it, like, cursed the movie. The movie... Uh, where Jo Beth Williams, who plays the mom, is dragged into her family's swimming pool by a supernatural force identified as the Beast. She escapes to rescue her kids, but not without being confronted by the skeletons of people that, unbeknownst to her and her family, are still buried in the ground under their home. Those are
1: real skeletons, right? Yes.
0: So in an interview that aired on Entertainment Channel VH1, she said she'd have to go into this huge tank with mud with what she thought were fake plastic skeletons. But later found out they were real skeletons. It was a real nightmare. She
1: was duped. Yeah. I mean, it made $121 million in the box office, so. Oh, they're here. Well, we promise we'll be back
0: to more nightmarish, real Murder, crime. Murder,
1: crime, all that good stuff in Florida next week, right? Yeah. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at FullRiggerPodcast.
0: All right, until next week. Thank you, Lexi. Thanks
1: for having me.
0: That's FullRigger.